Okay, we're going to look at uh, Jesus on the move today, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 40. That would be Luke 8, chapter 40, son. <laughs> I've got to come in and follow a baby act. I, I don't have a prayer. <laughs> and speaking of prayer, I need it. Lord Jesus, uh, I just ask for your anointing as I bring the message today, Lord. And again, just thank you for that little one at the Irvin House, Lord. Um, you know, years ago, we didn't think there'd be any. and Now there are five. Fantastic, Lord. You are just... Uh, greater than we can ever imagine. Uh, Lord, just uh, open the hearts this morning. We ask it in your name. Amen. Okay, we're in Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 40, son. And I love Luke. Uh, it's my favorite gospel, and we're studying this in the junior high class for the guys on Wednesday night. And as a preface to Luke, I, I told the kids, just look and see in these things Jesus are do, is doing how available he is to the common man, how close he is to the common man, how in touch. And we're going we're gonna to see that today and just uh, how compassionate he is and how on the job and um, just working with the people, for the people. And today he's going to be on the way to one miracle and stops and does another one. This, this is my kind of savior that's got time for that. So... Let's start out in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and it says there, So it was when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Jesus had been across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and he had worked with Legion and cast out the demons, a couple other miracles over there. He's working miracles wherever he goes, and he came back to Galilee on uh, the other side of the sea and uh, around Capernaum there, his hometown, his base of operations, I should say, um, for his early ministry. And the people were glad to see him. They were waiting for him. And we're, we're still doing that. We're still waiting for him. Says he's, says he's coming back. And uh, we are waiting for him and uh, longing for his return. So not much has changed. And uh, it'll be a matter uh, just a glorious return when he comes back. And in 41 it says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And, you know, 12-year-old young lady, and she's, she's dying. That's really tough. Um, our oldest is a, is a gal, Maddie, and she's 30 now, but I remember well when she was 12. Great age, really great age. You know, they'll, they'll still talk to you then. They, they don't shun you too bad, and uh, they're not real moody. But that, that's coming, you know, that's coming. And uh, carry on pretty good conversation, and they'll still attempt to cartwheel. You know, they still have that pep and vigor, and it's just an age of innocence, and they're real fun to watch, and, you know, this, here's dad, his 12-year-old gal is dying, and it's, it's terribly hard on him, of course. And he's also the ruler of the synagogue. Um, you know, in the little towns there, they had their own little area of worship, like a church. And he was the guy that uh, was kind of the pastor. He wasn't a priest, but he was a pastor. He made sure somebody, you know, had the building open, ready to go, and all the stuff that pastors do, and kind of the custodian guy, and had you know, made sure the scripture was ready to go and somebody to teach. 
But at this time, Jesus was getting popular, and the leadership of the, of the Jewish nation, the religious leaders, didn't like him very much. He wasn't doing the traditions just right that they thought he should. He wasn't breaking any laws. In fact, he was fulfilling all the laws. But he wasn't doing it the way that the Pharisees and the scribes thought. And they, they weren't high on Jesus. In fact, they were plotting to kill him. And kind of a tough thing for the leader, the ruler of the synagogue, to come and fall down at Jesus' feet and beg him to come to his house. You know, he could have been ostracized for that. But first of all, he's a dad. And second of all, he's a compassionate dad, a dad uh, in love with his 12-year-old daughter that is dying. Um, when you see 12 in Scripture, we're going to see it again in this set of miracles. Think Israel. Jesus came to Israel as a king, as a Messiah, and uh, was doing all these great things, should have been recognized as the Son of God, certainly, and he wasn't. I said there was a rub between the Jewish leaders and Jesus, and certainly there was. Um, he, uh, he, he wasn't liked by them, and he came to minister to them. The number 12 says Israel, and Israel was sick too. Israel was sick. They had a lot of apostasy. The religious leaders were leaning on tradition. Um, that we know that Jesus cast people out of the temple because they were doing money changing. Israel was sick. When you see 12, think Israel. And so he came to minister to them, and they would not have him. So he's operating with the people here. And here comes this father and his only daughters, sick to the point of dying. And, of course, Jesus, when he hears this plea, it's Jesus. He says, let's go. We're going to your house. We'll, we'll take care of it. This, this is Jesus. He's on-demand miracles. What, what a great guy. My kind of Savior. And so they head out. And there's always a big crowd at this time around Jesus because, you know, we have curiosity seekers. You know, what's he going to do? Who, who's he going to heal today? What, what's going to be the miracle? And uh, always a huge crowd around him and says in, uh, in verse 42, but as he went, the multitude thronged him. He must have been in a, a main thoroughfare and there was a crowd around him and he must, uh, on his way to Jairus' house, funneled down into a narrower street and the crowd impressed him. You ever been in one of those crowds? Ever been to a European soccer game? I haven't either, but I guess people die in those, at those things all the time just in crowd activity. And... He, always, he was getting pressed by this crowd. I've been in a couple of crowds where they're just kind of carrying you along like this. He was pressed on every side by this crowd. He's going to Jairus' house to uh, take care of a need for, for Jairus. And it says in 43, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood was stopped, and Jesus said, who touched me? All right, let's take this apart a little bit. And this woman had a flow of blood. She had a seepage of some sort for 12 years, and she had spent all that she had on physicians. Some of you folks might be familiar with that as we uh, deal with uh, modern medicine, and you, you go to your primary physician, and, and he says... Well, um, I, don't, I don't know for sure what's going on, but I, I know a specialist uh, over in Bowling Green. You're going to go over and, and uh, see him, and you go over there, and they, they do some blood work, and you get an ultrasound, and you wait for the results, and you come back to your guy in Desha or wherever your primary uh, health provider is, and he says, well, this is inc 
Okay, I can't figure this out. It's in, inconclusive. Um, I'm going to send you up to MUO. You're going up to MUO, and uh, I got a friend up there. He's a good guy, and uh, you're going to see him. So the specialist orders a PET scan, more blood work, and an ultrasound, another ultrasound. We didn't get a good shot on the first one. So you come back and you wait for those results. Inconclusive. Yeah, you got a little vitamin deficiency, but that's not it. So I'm going to send you to Cleveland Clinic this time, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. So you go off to Cleveland Clinic, and they, they do all the tests again, because they're really specialists there. <laughs> and you get, you get everything back, and you know, we, we just can't figure out what's wrong with you. Gosh. Sick for 12 years and spent all that she had on physicians, and she wasn't any better. Can you identify? Yes, some of you can. Some of you can. Oh, my goodness. And a lot, a lot of miles. But here she has Jesus right there. And she comes up with a plan. Comes up with a plan, and in another gospel, she figures out her tactic. And she says, what I'm going to do is, when Jesus comes to town, I'm going to sneak up on him, and I'm going to touch him right on the hem of his garment, and that's going to be enough. And I think I'm going to be healed. I think I'm going to be healed when I do that. This guy is a man of God. He's been healing people right and left. I think I got a shot at this. And she's ready on her big day. And guess what? There's a huge crowd. <laughs> and, and she's a gal. And you know what's wrong with her, too? She's got this issue of blood, and it says in numbers that whoever she touches, she will make unclean. Whatever she touches, she will make unclean. And she will have to go to the temple repeatedly to be ceremonially cleaned. So she's got this issue, and she needs to wade through a crowd to come to the Messiah. Um, she probably hasn't recognized him as that yet, but will soon. And uh, gosh, how am I going to get through this crowd? I'm kind of sickly, too. I've been sick for 12 years. I'm, I'm not the strongest. And last year at Homeschool Academy, uh, I taught this because we did all the miracles where it says your faith has healed you. And I had all the kids file into that aisleway right here. And I designated someone to be Jesus, and I was the woman. I just laughed. I was the woman. And, uh, you know, I tried to get to Jesus, and I didn't have any trouble because I was this much taller than all those kids. I got to him, and I, I touched his jeans, and nothing happened. But this poor lady's got to go through this crowd that is probably all guys. They all want to be close to Jesus. They're funneled down this small street. And she says, I got to do it. I'm bleeding to death. I've got, this is my last shot. I, I got to get down there and touch Jesus. And if I only touch his hem. Why the hem? Why the hem? This is a statement of faith. If I just touch him way down here, because that's the most that's the dirtiest spot on this guy. He's been walking through Nazareth and Galilee. And that's the dirty spot. If I just touch him there, that'll be enough. This guy's powerful. And she does it. She makes it to him. Gets there. Touches him like this. Bingo. Healed immediately. Healed immediately. And Jesus said in 45, Who touched me? Wow. And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throngs and presses you, and you say, who touched me? You're being touched by 15 people <laughs> right now, Jesus. What? Who touched you? How do you know somebody touched you? He knew. He knew that somebody touched him, and it was the touch of faith. It was a 
faith about this big. She was desperate. She knew about Jesus, and she went to Jesus. She made it to him. Maybe that faith was a little bigger. She worked real hard to get to him, touched, touched his garment, and she was healed immediately. And if you read on, it says, But Jesus said, Somebody touch me, for I've received power has gone from me. Power has gone out of me. If you read the, new, the old King James, it says, Virtue. Virtue has gone out of me. Something good came out of Jesus. Some power came out of Jesus. Touch of faith. Touch of faith. And often think about this. What's in science, they think about a differential to get something to flow. Mr. Perry knows about this stuff. But uh, I'm not a chemist, but I am a kind of a hack electrician. And I know if you've got a bunch of negative that this woman had, let's say that she's, all her maladies are negative charge, and Jesus has got all this good over here that we can say is plus, 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 because he's got compassion, he's got power, he cares for you, he can deliver. And she slipped down there, and she finally touched his garment, right, that made that stretch. I bet there was lightning. I bet there was a spark that jumped about this far. <clears throat> I'm healed. <laughs> all right. Jesus knew. Man, about 600 kilovolts just roared out of me. And I think I healed somebody. And he did. He did. He healed that lady. And, you know, she's, she's unclean and she's wading through the crowd and she just touched the Messiah's garment and she's going to try and slink away like nothing happened. And Jesus says, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, I guess he talked about the power going on, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she has or was healed immediately. Jesus didn't let her get away. Jesus called her out for a good thing, for a good thing. You know, she's probably trembling, and she's waiting for Jesus to say, Woman, why did you touch me? You're unclean. This is blowing my whole day. I'm, I'm on my way to heal somebody. And now i got to go to the temple and get cleaned up. He did not say that. When she made her testimony, Jesus came back with a very enduring statement. Enduring statement. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That was a surprise to her. She was a woman, and she waded through those men, and that was a, that was a brave thing. Finally got to Jesus and touched his hem. And she's healed. Women, women didn't do that. Women stayed away from men, even when they congregated. But she didn't pass any women on the way up to the Messiah. And Jesus gives her this name of endearment. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. And again, if you're reading in the uh, Old King James, it says, your faith has made you whole. Whole. Complete deal. Your spirit is renewed and your body is healed. You're whole. Daughter, you're whole. Wow, we, what a Savior. Okay, the woman is celebrating. Jesus has proven that he's the Son of God with this miracle. She's testified. And here's poor Jairus over here. His daughter's dying. He's looking at his watch. And he's going, oh no, oh no. We're just getting later and later. And He's probably pretty worried, although he's probably encouraged by the fact that somebody was just healed. But then they get some news, and the news isn't real good. 
49, it says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's house of the synagogue saying to him, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Oh boy, that's not good news. They underestimated the teacher though. They really underestimated the teacher. And Jesus, when he heard it, he answered and said, and I'm sure he looked right at Jairus and said, do not be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. We're still on the way to your house. Don't let this discourage you one bit. We're on the way to your house. And so they took off. And the end of that is, she will be made well. Do not be afraid, only believe. If you don't get anything else this morning, remember that phrase from Jesus. Do not be afraid, only believe. A few weeks ago, I had one of those pastoral issues that, you know, just, uh, it's a hard one. There was a gentleman that was dying, and he called me up, and, you know, he, he was fearful. And you, you think about all the verses, and I thought of this one, and I paraphrased it, and I said, just believe. Faith drives out fear. Faith drives out fear. Faith drives out fear. That's all I said to him. And he pleaded a little bit more, and I said, faith drives out fear. Got him through. Got him through. He called back the next day. We did the same drill. I said, Dick, what did I, what did I tell you? I let his name out. Dick doesn't care. Dick Elson's dead and, with, and went to heaven. Dick was dying. I was doing discipleship over at your house, over at Baird's. And I excused myself, and I went out on the porch. I'm sure you heard most of the conversation. And we rehearsed it again the next day. Dick, what did I tell you? Faith drives out fear. Faith drives out fear. And he, he had chilled out, and I think he was believing it. I think he was believing it. And the next day he died. Hey, he's with, he's with Jesus right now. We're all afraid of the process, but we love the outcome. Yeah, she will be made well. So, okay, Jairus, we're going over to your house, and we're going to see what's going to happen here. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Okay, this is going to be a, a low turnout event by Jesus' design. Peter, James, and John, they, they got in on a lot of the biggies, just private audience thing. They were there at the transfiguration of Jesus. Whoa, what a sight that was. Uh, a couple other private uh, viewings for miracles. They were the guys that he was building the faith in, building the faith in. They would minister to the rest of the apostles after Jesus left. 52, it says, Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. In the Jewish culture, when you die, they bury you the same day. And you remember the rush after Jesus died? Uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea went to, see, went to see Pilate, and they said, Could we please have the body of Jesus? And they were in a rush because they needed to get him off the cross and buried before sundown. Sabbath was the next day, and they couldn't do anything. So there was even a bigger rush uh, for that necessity. And so, so they did that. And here we they had the paid mourners, and you know what they do. You know, they wail and weep and talk up the person. And, but they only have a few hours to do it in most cases. So it's pretty intense. Uh, I don't know what time of day this young gal died, but they knew she was dying, and they were evidently on hand in the neighborhood. And when they heard she passed away, they went right over there. And uh, when Jesus said, do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping, they ridiculed him. They were thinking, Jesus, uh, we're, we're paid mourners. We know death when we see it. She's dead, 100% dead. And uh, says they were right. 
They were right. Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. To Jesus, everybody that's dead is sleeping because there are resurrections. There are resurrections. You remember Lazarus. And what did he tell Mary before he went out to the tomb? He says, Mary, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the way and the life. Do you believe this? She said, yes, I believe that you're the Son of God. Are you believing that today? Are you believing that today? He's the resurrection. Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. Everybody that's gone will be raised. He knows that. He's going to arrange that. Some to everlasting judgment, some to everlasting glory. But everybody that is dead is going to be raised. But what about those folks that were in a nuclear blast or burnt up so much we can't even find their body? Don't worry, because Jesus has your DNA memorized. He can get you back. You know what you're made out of? Dust. Plenty of that. He's got all the materials he needs. He can get you back together in the original equipment. And in 49, or 54, it says, and he put them all outside. They, they didn't have enough faith to witness this thing, and they ridiculed him. So he just ushered them outside and um, took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl arise, and her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And here Jesus defines death when the spirit leaves the body. That is death. How about the other end of that? Ron was, was talking about uh, the heartbeat bill today. And we've had a birth in the church. Amen and amen. How about a conception? This seems to be such a confusing point of life for a lot of people. It's not for God. When those two come together, we know the physical that happens. We see that on ultrasounds. What's the supernatural that comes together there? There's a soul in there. Wow. An eternal entity is in that little collection of cells that's growing and growing and growing. Not a fetus, not an embryo, but a baby. Baby, there's no such thing as a fetus. Okay, he's defined death for us. And he commanded that she should be giving something to eat. And her parents were astonished. I bet they were. Had the mourners there, they're weeping and wailing. They knew she was dead. Not dead, sleeping. We have the Son of God come in and recall her spirit to her, and she arises. I've often wondered about this. Uh, why did he, he command it? That she be given something to eat. What's that all about? I like the concept. I, I like it. When I'm raised from the dead, that's what I want to do, get something to eat. And I think I will because, you know, I'm invited to the uh, wedding supper of the Lamb. So I'll be dining with Jesus, and that'll be wonderful. Maybe that's a little precursor to this, a little, little show. And commentators said that she had been sick for several days or maybe several weeks, and, you know, she didn't have much to eat. I was thinking something different. Jesus is such a detailed guy, such a detailed guy. He said she'd been dead. Why don't you get her something to eat? She's going to be hungry when she wakes up. I like that. I like that a lot. When Jesus does something in your life, do you notice the details? Do you notice the details? They all flow into place. They all slide into place. Everything works. And it works better than you thought it was going to work. Wow, we. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. He does that occasionally. Don't know why. Don't know why. But he does that. You think the mourners outside got the word pretty quick that this girl was alive? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. I think she was up and around. 
And after he had something to eat, he was bouncing around the lot there, this 12-year-old that might do some cartwheels and chattery back in, back in the pink. When the mourners tell that story, you think it's going to have more validity? I think so. They had railed on Jesus. And Jesus said, stand by, stand by. Do not weep. He is not dead, but sleeping. What a Savior. Wow, 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 great guy, great guy. On the way to work one day, he healed two people. Not bad, not bad. That's in the morning, maybe. You got the rest of the day to do good. Fantastic. What a guy, what a guy. Do you know Jesus? Are you whole? Jesus said, after, after the lady was cleansed, she was whole. Her spirit was renewed. Her body was renewed. If you've got any questions about your wholeness, let me know. Let me know. Marv, you want to come on up?